This is the Joe and Amber podcast. We finally know what Aaron Rodgers was thinking about in those four days in the dark. Apparently, he was thinking about how to still play with his Packers teammates in a New York Jets (laughs) uniform. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundled today at Progressive.com. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh with you after a few days off. We're back, Joe. We're back in business. I'm glad you didn't injure yourself skiing. We quietly behind the scenes had a bet and an injury was the favorite. So the underdog tickets do pay. Congratulations to everyone who was involved in that action. Okay, that surprises me not at all. You guys probably did, in fact, have that bet because I've been known to. I did not get injured skiing. Now, I did not ski every day. I was out there. I hit the spa a little bit instead. Had some nice relaxation time. Also didn't get injured there. I'm happy to report successful trip. Yeah, by the way, the bet wasn't injured skiing. We've known you to drop peanut butter on your foot, Mm -hmm, jars mm -hmm. of peanut butter, and get injured. It was just to get injured in general. Walking (laughs) through the airport, uh, a masseuse a little too rough on the shoulders. And it was James's idea, believe it or not. James Steele wanted to make that bet. Well, what is funny a little bit about this, and that also doesn't surprise me, by the way, what is funny is I did eat bleep at one point. I did. I slipped on ice and just flat out on my back. Feet came out from under me. I had things in both hands and just woof like a cartoon. The old yard sale, as they call it. Yes, there you go. And I did break my nail, which not an injury. Oh, man. But considering I spend quite a bit of money on my nails, that was frustrating. So an injury to the heart. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I'm glad we were able to get all caught up on that. (laughs) James, I trust your ski and spa weekend was uh, relaxing as well. Yeah, right. Yep. Well, it, it, it was relaxing unless you are a New York Jets fan, because I don't think there's anything relaxing about being a Jets fan right now. We now know that Aaron Rodgers has given the New York Jets an entire wish list. And this wish list. Pay attention. Joe and Amber. Aaron Rodgers. never gets old. I mean, a little, like, honestly, like, no. right, a little, little, a little slow there on the trigger finger today. I think I said Aaron Rodgers like three times before we got the Aaron Rodgers watch out. I'll blame Rachel on that. They <laughs> like to do it when you're not expecting it. That's the key. They like to hit it with you. That, that was very nicely done. Uh, it was it, it was nicely done, uh, and we are continuing on the Aaron Rodgers watch, but the latest development is the watch includes watching him try to bring everybody from the Green Bay Packers to the New York Jets because apparently Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, even tight end Mercedes Lewis is all on Aaron Rodgers' wish list. And so the Green Bay – I was sure the New York Jets, rather, have started – to acquiesce to Aaron Rodgers. They've gone after Alan Lazard. They don't even need any tight end depth. But I guess if Aaron Rodgers tells you, go get Mercedes Lewis and you're the Jets, you're going to try to go get Mercedes Lewis. What do you make of this list? So my first question as to everything that's happening here, does Aaron Rodgers want to play for the Jets or does Aaron Rodgers just want to be in control? Because it doesn't really seem to me like the decision is based on, all right, the best thing for my career is the New York Jets, the general manager, the ownership group, the coaching, the roster, the positioning in the AFC. That's the best fit for me. It seems like with Rodgers, who seemingly hasn't had a whole lot of control with the way the Packers have done things over the last few years, 
is in a situation where he just wants control. And whichever team is willing to give that to him, that's at the top of his wish list. Nothing wrong with that. When it comes to your priorities, everyone's priorities are different. But if you're the New York Jets, you should be awfully worried about this because the day and age of the player GM hasn't really gone all that great. Look no further than the... For, bleh, welcome back, everybody. Look no further than the National Basketball Association and everything we just saw take place right down the street with the Brooklyn Nets. So if I'm the Jets, I'm worried here because it doesn't seem to me like Rodgers is coming because he loves what you have to offer. He loves what you can do for him in a non-football sense. That's what I'd be worried about right now. Yeah, you would think that Rodgers might have looked at this roster in New York and thought, Garrett Wilson, you know, the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's go. Like Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis to a lesser extent. It's not like the Jets don't have anybody on that roster for him to throw a football to. And instead, apparently, he looks at that roster and he thinks, "Ah, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my guys from Green Bay. The problem with that is, by the way, it's not as if he was winning a ton of Super Bowls in Green Bay next to those guys. So I think it's odd that he's trying to switch teams. We want to switch teams. We're going to embark on a whole new environment. We keep talking about how the Jets are a team that's trending the right direction if they're not already there. I mean, I don't know if I believe that offense was just a quarterback away, but certainly you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers to help elevate that talent around him. You're not really bringing in Aaron Rodgers and then him bringing in a whole bunch of new pieces that are new to you but old to him because that's the direction you're headed. It just seems like a shift in philosophy all of a sudden. Like this Jets team is so young and has been trending the right direction, and all of a sudden now we're going to swerve and be the Packers 2.0 and a Packers 2.0 team that wasn't exactly out there crushing it either in terms of the postseason the last decade. No, they most certainly were not. Um, I don't remember Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay with a wish list. Brady went to the best organization that fit his needs, and his needs were, I want to win a Super Bowl, and they were loaded on defense. They had weapons on offense. It was in Florida. Presumably he liked the no-state tax situation that you all offer down there. It's wonderful. With Rodgers, it seems like, again, he hasn't had the control in Green Bay. He wants control, and this is what the Jets are going to give him because they are desperate for a quarterback. I don't blame him. Do what you got to do to bring him in just don't get mad after you do this if he asks you hey is it okay if I skip some of the OTAs or if he says hey you know I kind of don't really feel like participating in this function or I kind of do want that third parking space or I'm going to want my own office at the facility or I'm going to want this or that or the other thing once you set the example now that you're going to acquiesce to his every need Don't think down the road it's going to change. You work for him, Woody Johnson, not the other way around. Yes, and that's some of the problem that you saw happen in Denver where we started hearing about parking spaces, right, when it comes to Russell Wilson. It's like, who cares about an office or a parking space? But that's what happens is it's this idea that the organization has gone too far in appeasing the player. And that's absolutely something that, that the Jets are in danger of doing here. Nevertheless, I just find, because you keep saying, well, he didn't have the control in Green Bay. And that is what we've heard all these years. But apparently, if he was given the control, the control would have looked something like Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis, right? Like, I I guess he was fine with not having the control because now that he's getting some control, his wish list is basically exactly what the Packers put around him. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, the Cowboys have been quiet in free agency so far, but they did make a trade today. We'll get into their moves this and and uh, what they need to do in this offseason 
coming up still. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. The Dallas Cowboys have finally done something here in free agency. Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are going to get to what the Dallas Cowboys did today in just moments. But first, we're going to do what we do best here on Joe and Amber. That is betting advice from Joe Fortenbaugh. He tries to earn you a little loose change. Let's get to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. That may have been the most inaccurate setup ever because if you listened to our last show last Wednesday, we were bragging about the record we were setting on the show. More pizza money bets than ever before. We also set another record. More pizza money losing bets on a single show than ever before. The final tally from that Wednesday show, if you include the half-unit wagers for the golf futures, which we do, one in six minus 4.6 units a complete disaster so the overall record now 39 and 42 three Mm. games under 500 but unit wise we're still profitable plus 6.6 units 
<sighs> that being said, let's get to the first game of the night. It's going to be a prop in the Brooklyn OKC matchup. Spencer Dinwiddie over seven and a half assists. A little juicy at minus 140. Total in this game is 233 and a half points, so it is priced for scoring. Dinwiddie has had eight or more assists in seven of his last eight games. These guys that got traded a few weeks ago, they're anywhere between 10 and 15 games in with their new team, they're settling into their new roles, and you can exploit these numbers because the sportsbooks haven't exactly moved them. Keep it in mind. Look at it like this. Dinwiddie in the 13 games since he was traded over, 7.6 assists per game, but in his last eight, 9.1 assists per game. He's a bigger player in the offense, especially from a facilitation standpoint. Spencer Dinwiddie, pizza money number one, over 7.5 assists. So all sorts of NFL free agency moves have been happening here over the last 48 hours. The Dallas Cowboys started off pretty quiet as the week started. And then today, finally, some action, both defensive action, though, from the Dallas Cowboys. You might have thought, oh, they're going to get Dak some weapons. Well, nope, that wasn't the priority, at least not priority number one. Priority number one for the Dallas Cowboys was actually locking up Donovan Wilson. So safety Donovan Wilson, he's going to stay with Dallas. He agreed to a three-year deal worth up to $24 million. I mean, kind of the cornerstone of that defense, somebody who has really, really excelled in Dan Quinn's system there defensively. So they get to keep Donovan Wilson, 108 tackles, five sacks, four tackles for a loss, a fumble recovery, two forced fumbles and an interception, a couple pass breakups. Uh, Certainly a very good season from him last season for the Dallas Cowboys. But the splashier move there came via trade, Joe, where the Dallas Cowboys made a splash earlier today. The Cowboys pulled off a trade with the Indianapolis Colts that will bring five-time Pro Bowl cornerback Stephon Gilmore to Dallas. Before I get your reaction, Joe, let's hear from Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin. He's not going to win defensive MVP. He's not that guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not the player we saw in the Super Bowl against the Rams, but he's still a very damn good corner. If you have Stephon Gilmore as your top cover corner, you're not going to be in a bad way, but that's not the situation in Dallas because they got Trayvon Diggs. So you have him playing opposite of Diggs, and all of a sudden you feel really good about your defense being able to hold up in man-to-man coverage. And think about it this way. With that pass rush... Working in tandem with that secondary, it's going to be tough sledding for quarterbacks in the NFC East. Certainly won't be easy now for quarterbacks in the NFC East. Dallas, all they had to do was send Indianapolis a 2023 fifth-rounder compensatory pick in exchange for Stephon Gilmore. I didn't feel like that was a very high price for them to pay. Stephon Gilmore is not the best corner in the league anymore, Joe. Fine, but he's still a very good corner. I feel like this was a big move for Dallas. It's a good move for Dallas because you're bolstering your secondary. Your secondary is getting better, and it's not costing much. But again, to the point you're making and to the point Canty's alluding to, to an extent, if a guy's elite, he's not going to come to you via fifth-round pick with a salary cap number of just $7.96 million. That's where we're at with Stephon Gilmore. For perspective, Jair Alexander, considered one of the top corners in the game with Green Bay, Average value of his contract, $21 million per year. Denzel Ward, $20 million per year. Marshawn Lattimore, $19 million per year. Jalen Ramsey, $18 million a year. He's number five. Xavier Howard, also with Miami, number six at $18 million a year. All right? The salary cap number for Stephon Gilmore, $7.96 million, and you got him for a fifth-round draft pick. So that tells you where you're at. 
Okay, he was the defensive player of the year in 2019. He's been to five Pro Bowls. It's a great resume. His game is no longer elite, but he can still play. So if you're Dallas, yes, you did get a little bit better, but a little bit better. You didn't become elite by any stretch. You didn't suddenly become the top team in the NFC. And the NFC isn't exactly all that tough top to bottom when you stack it up. What it reminded me, though, of was that Miami Dolphins move that you just alluded to there when you heard Canty saying, even if he was your top corner, you'd be in a pretty good situation, but that's not the case here. He doesn't have to be, and so having that dual threat is going to be so hard when you're talking about that coverage that these other quarterbacks inside that division are going to be facing. You mentioned their defensive player of the year that season, Gilmore Pace, the NFL, with six interceptions, 20 pass breakups. That was only a few years ago. I mean, he is 31 years old. He's not 36 years old, Joe. So it also stands to reason that he could look better in a Cowboys uniform then he's looked the last couple seasons in Indianapolis. Most certainly. Most certainly. And again, it's a good move for Dallas because you take the roster you have. How can you upgrade it efficiently? And by efficient, whether it's a trade via draft picks, whether it's a signing, what can you do to get a little bit better here, a little bit better there, and continue the building process? Gilmore coming over does make them better. But putting them to the next level is always going to come down to the same thing it always comes down to. Coaching. That's been the problem in Dallas. The problem in Dallas for the last three decades, has been coaching. If you want to go out and get an elite coach, you need ownership to move out of the way and let the guy make the decisions. Ownership doesn't want to move out of the way, and that's completely understandable because you own the team. But if Mike McCarthy's the guy, that's the problem. Getting rid of Kellen Moore and giving more responsibility to Mike McCarthy, who now has to call the plays in addition to mismanage the games with his timeouts and his clock management late, that's a problem for Dallas. So again, Dallas is treating symptoms. They're not treating illnesses. They're treating the symptoms. Yeah, they got a little bit better. All right? They, they, they took a tissue and they wiped their nose and they got a little bit better. They don't have a runny nose right now, but that doesn't mean they're still not sick. That might be a bit of a harsh analogy. I just realized as I was saying that, it's like, damn, if you're a Dallas fan, it's like, what, we're the flu? I'll try to figure out something better for you down the road. I don't know if the coaching, though, is a problem defensively, right? Like, I mean, do you have a problem with Dan Quinn? I understand what you're saying there about Mike McCarthy. But Quinn's I feel like with McC- And Quinn, I feel like, is a solid coordinator. I mean, he, a lot of people think, will be the next head coach if they ever move on from Mike McCarthy. So when you were talking specifically about the defensive side of the ball here, then I guess you could feel like, hey, maybe he'll get a little something out of Stefan Gilmore that they weren't able to get the last couple years in Indianapolis out of him because a lot of people do have that kind of belief in Dan Quinn, even if you question things like the you know ability to manage a clock from Mike McCarthy. Exactly. I, I, the defense is solid under Quinn. They took a big step up when people thought they were going to be relatively weak. Um, they, they have been of the caliber that can get you into and advance through the playoffs. They're a type of team that can do something like that, but the question has never been whether or not Dallas can improve their defense. You can improve the defense. Dan Quinn's a good coach. You, you can do those things. What, what they need is the quarterback to make big plays in big spots. They need the coach to put the quarterback in the position to make the big plays in the big spots. They need to stop running out of time late in games when they're trying to pull off the win, and they just need to pull off the win. You know, they had a situation this past year. The NFC was down. The NFC was down this past year. They could have gone on a run, and once again, they couldn't figure it out. So they might edge the Eagles in the NFC East this year because the Eagles aren't going to be the beneficiaries of the easiest schedule in the history of the league, and they're going to lose some overall talent there. But whether or not they get past them isn't the question. 
The question is, can they make a deep run? And with McCarthy as the head coach, I just don't buy in. I haven't seen him at an elite level or a top-tier level in a long time, if ever, to be quite honest with you. And now he's going to be calling the plays for that team as well. I guess that's why I think it's interesting that they're putting their resources def- uh, towards that defense, given it's very early here uh, in the legal tampering period. And so whatever, I mean, maybe <laughs> they end up turning their attention to the offense here at some point. But I was surprised that these first couple moves for the Dallas Cowboys were on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, I think they're pretty decent moves. It's fine. That defense might have just gotten a little bit better. And certainly, like I said, shoring up Donovan Wilson is part of that as well to retain some of that threat that they are he had defensively but my questions are on the offensive side of the ball for that team and go beyond just the play calling but also the weapons there around Dak coming up next Danny Dollars gets a new weapon we'll get into it Joe and Amber is on ESPN radio and the ESPN app this is the Joe and Amber podcast this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza the number one pick in Detroit style pizza why It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh with you. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. You can find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. It's that time to go through some of the sounds that we've missed over the last 24 hours. Let's get to it. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. Sound on, sound off is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Danny Dollars is going to have a new tight end to throw to next season, Joe. The Giants traded the pick that they got when they sent Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs back to the AFC West and the Raiders for Darren Waller. Noted Raiders fan and host Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio's Jason Fitz thinks Waller, he's a good fit for the New York Giants. This is the team that, that made the playoffs last year. I think the Waller element is a big one, and having a big body to tight end that you can trust is a helpful thing for Daniel Jones and the continued development. Having a big body tight end uh, with a mind like Brian Dable, I think, uh, also becomes an extra weapon. So this is a real opportunity. Hello, James Steele. Hey, yo. James. Uh, yeah, how you guys doing? So, Joe, do you like this move for Daniel Jones and the Giants? Uh, if Waller stays healthy. I mean, Waller can't stay healthy. He turned two big-time years with the Raiders, big-time years, into a nice payday. And then he couldn't stay healthy. He played 11 games two years ago. He only appeared in nine games last season, starting six. He caught 40. Excuse me, he was targeted 43 times for 28 yards. Or 28 receptions. 28 receptions last year. 55 the year before. He put together two great seasons. So when he's healthy, yeah, this is the type of guy that can help Daniel Jones. But I like the deal more for the Raiders. Get the money off the books. Get a third-round pick coming back. Find someone that you can bank on a little bit more. Waller's a good tight end when he's healthy, but he just can't stay healthy. It's a major problem. 
I mean, the joke here is that Kandarius Tony finally did something for the New York Giants, right? <laughs> um, I don't have any problem with this move for the Giants. I don't know how successful it's going to end up being or impactful because of what Joe just said how many injuries that Waller has dealt with here over the last couple seasons. He did have back-to-back seasons of over a 1,000 receiving yards in 2019 and 2020, but the last two seasons, he's only played in 20 total games. He still ranks third among all tight ends in catches and receiving yards since 2019. That is behind Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Nevertheless, if you can't stay healthy out there, then the impact is not going to be what the name told us that it would have been back in 2019 or 2020. So we'll just see. It'll all come down to health, uh, but why not try to give him more weapons? I like that if you're going to commit to your quarterback for the future, go ahead and try to improve around that quarterback. I like that move from that perspective. The Saints have their new quarterback, speaking of new quarterbacks, in Derek Carr. Carr was introduced by New Orleans last week, and he had this to say about his expectations for the Saints offense. Explosive. You know, they're very explosive, um, com- very, very competitive. You know, I'm really excited to, you know, have all those guys run down the field and just check one down to Alvin just to see what he can do. You know, um, that'll be fun. You know, I'm excited to watch, you know, Taysom run the football, you know, and have the ball in his hands. I'm excited to watch those guys run down the field, you know, with their speed and athleticism and, you know, and Jawan, you know, the athleticism that he has as, as a tight end and the way he can move. And, you know, there's just so much potential, but that doesn't mean anything. So you make a decision based on what you think it can be, but then you got to go make it that. You know, when you watch them on film, though, you just, it's, it's hard not to get excited. You know, it's hard not to be, you know, for Saints fans, it's hard not to be excited about, you know, the roster and, you know, what Mickey and DA have put together here. It's, uh, it's exciting. Amber, when you think about the Saints offense and Derek Carr, is explosive the word that comes to mind first? Uh, no, uh, to neither of those things, but particularly not the Saints offense. I mean, what's explosive about this offense? They just locked up Michael Thomas for another year. Great. I, I don't know what this offense is going to look like with Derek Carr. I don't actually have hugely high expectations for this Saints team, Joe. It better be explosive. That's what he's brought in to do. Put him over the top. They weren't explosive with Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. He's supposed to be the guy. Derek Carr is in a very rare situation. Carr has spent his entire career nowhere close to being the best quarterback in his own division. At the end of the tenure with the Raiders, he was dealing with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Obviously, Russell Wilson came over, but that was just for one season, and it didn't go very well. Early in his career, Phillip Rivers was still with the Chargers. It just was never his show. Never. Always overlooked. Always on a team that couldn't compete. Now he's in a soft division, possibly the softest in the NFL. At the moment, he's the most accomplished and probably best quarterback in the division. Now, Carolina, at some point, is going to make a move in the draft. They traded up for the number one pick, and it seems like the Bucs are getting frisky, and they might want to bring someone in as well, but he's the guy. Michael Thomas has shown flashes. Chris Olave had a great rookie year, and by Thomas showing flashes, I mean in the past when he was healthy, he hasn't been able to stay on the field. But you've got enough weapons on this offense. Carr's a guy who doesn't play well outside in the cold weather. Boom, you're in the south. You're playing in a dome. What more do you want? This is a great storyline for the 2023 season because I want to see if he can show that all those years it was the Raiders organization holding them down or if the Raiders are going to be vindicated and letting him go saying, hey, you see, he just wasn't good enough. He's got the weapons and he still can't get it done. Michael Thomas showed more than flashes, but back in 2019, right, when he yeah. was the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, it was so many years ago. I've, I've uh, given up hope on thinking that he's going to turn back into that guy, but we'll see how it all looks with Derek Carr under center. There's a new coach in Arizona, but the quarterback 
Well, he's the same, possibly too much the same, according to offensive tackle Kevin Beecham, who was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max last week. Take a listen to what he had to say about what's holding Kyler Murray back. It's Kyler Murray holding back Kyler Murray. He has all the answers. He has the keys. Um, it's on him. You know, I think that the organization has put half a billion behind him because they do trust him. They've tried to surround him with pieces. But at the end of the day, the quarterback is the quarterback. It's a quarterback-driven league. Um, and at the end of the day, you're tasked with leading men and being a leader of men. Has he matured? Yes. Can he continue to grow up? Yes. Does he have the capabilities, uh, capabilities of doing so? Yes. So when you ask that question, that's a question that he has to answer, and he has the ability to answer it. And he's the only person that can control that. Joe, this isn't the first time Beecham, who resigned with the Cardinals earlier today, has said something along these lines about Kyler Murray. How concerning is that? And do you have any faith that Kyler can figure it out? How do you give $230 million to a quarterback who can't lead? Like, what was Arizona thinking? Can he take steps forward? Yeah, I wouldn't completely write him off. He's young. He's inexperienced. Hopefully, and this is what we hope for for ourselves, for our children, for everybody, when we make mistakes, we learn from them. Assess the situation. Try to figure out what went wrong. Try to figure out how to improve. So there's obviously room for potential. There's room to grow for Kyler Murray. He's an incredible talent. It would be great to see him take that next step in his maturity and his leadership. But my God, as an organization, how do you give up that much money to a quarterback who hasn't proven he can lead? That's one of like the two key criteria, the only two criteria that matter when you pay a quarterback that kind of money. Number one, can you play quarterback? quarterback number two can you lead this franchise if you can't do both of those things you can't get the money but that's why Arizona is where they are the worst odds in the entire NFC to win the conference but the first of those two things you can't teach at this point once you get to the NFL level like if you can't play quarterback or you don't have the talent then that ship is sailed by the time you're in the NFL the second of those two things though arguably you could still develop during your professional career the ability to lead I mean I do think that we have this idea particularly at that position that I think is probably a little unfair we expect these kids uh, kids to you and I Joe anyways to come into the league at you know 23 years old and all of a sudden they're going to be leaders of men and they're going to be telling 33 year olds what to do and inspiring them and yes there are those guys who can do that like the Patrick Mahomes of the world and then there's guys that have to grow into that or take a little bit more time to mature I do think that if maturity is the issue maturity is something that can change over the course of one's life you would hope that you can go from immature to mature particularly when you're talking about that path in your mid-20s which Kyler Murray is what you need though is guys like Kelvin Beecham to call Call you out and to be honest. And that's something that Beecham has always been. I give him a lot of credit because every time he's on our airwaves, he is unbelievably transparent and honest. And he says, you know, I just think he needs to grow up. I didn't say that he lacks leadership. I think he needs to grow up a little bit. That is a direct quote from Beecham. And growing up is something that you can do, or you at least hope that Kyler Murray will be able to accomplish that goal. He can't grow an arm all of a sudden, but he can grow up. So from that perspective, I would think that there's a little hope there for the Cardinals organization. The Warriors currently sit in fifth place in the Western Conference in the NBA, even though they have an almost unbelievable 7-26 and record on the road. Clay Thompson knows they have to be better away from Oracle in order to repeat as champs. We need to show we can string together some wins, and I know we will. 
we know when it comes playoff time, you have to win on the road to be, become the champs. We got a golden opportunity ahead of us to come away with the winning record on this road trip. We got some big tests ahead, but we're all ready for it. We're rejuvenated after being home for a couple games. Amber, do you think the Warriors can fix their problems on the road before it's too late? Seven and 26? No. No, I don't. I, I, I mean, there's not enough season left for them to fix their problems on the road. And those problems on the road become real, real problems in the postseason. Because we always talk about this, too, with postseason basketball, Joe, where we say, oh, well, they take it up to another level, right? And they do. And the environments are harder. And just generally winning in the playoffs is much harder. It's kind of like, you know, winning on the road. And it feels like when this Warriors team is tested, even just a little bit during the regular season, they can't get the job done. Seven and 26 is abysmal. So no, I, I don't think that they'll be able to fix those problems in time. Seven victories on the road for the defending champions. To put that in perspective, there are three teams that are aggressively tanking for Victor Wembanyama right now. One is the Detroit Pistons. They also have seven wins on the road. The other two are San Antonio and Houston, who each have six wins on the road. <laughs> That's the company the Warriors keep on the road. All that being said, I covered them from the start of their title run until a couple years ago in the Bay Area. One thing I learned is that you never count them out. It's going to be a longer shot this year, but when you go up and down the Western Conference, Memphis is dealing with the John Morant situation. Sacramento's been a lot of fun, but can they do it in the playoffs? Kevin Durant's hurt again in Phoenix. The Clippers can't figure it out with Russell Westbrook. They've been middling. Minnesota never seems to get it done. Dallas can't play D. LeBron's hurt for the Lakers, and the Pelicans are the 10 seed, and they, I think, are 7-18 and 18 over the last 25. There are a lot of flaws with those teams in the Western Conference. Do not count out the Golden State Warriors. But what you're saying is is if they were trying, they couldn't be any worse on the road than they currently are. I mean, mean, if they were trying to lose, the record would look about the same. That is amazing. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, March Madness is upon us. We'll get into it. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. is officially madness in March. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. Find me as well at Amber W Sports. When you find him on social, you end up finding a lot of betting advice. He also brings it to you here on Joe and Amber. Let's get to it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, let's go to work. Mississippi State, Pittsburgh. It's one of the uh, play-in games for March Madness. We're going to go over 133 total points. To say Mississippi State's offense is awful would actually be a compliment. They rank dead last in college basketball in three-point shooting. I think there's like 363 teams or something like that. They are dead last, but... But I do believe that with such a low total, they can contribute their end of the bargain because Pittsburgh's defense has been brutal. Over the last five games, they're giving up 85 points per game, which includes 81 to a Georgia Tech offense that is absolutely dreadful. Now, Mississippi State does bring a solid defense to the table, but Pittsburgh can counter that with their offense. They're 24th in efficiency. They're a solid three-point shooting team, top 40 in free throws, which is huge this time of year. Pizza money number two, Mississippi State, Pittsburgh over 133 total points. There is the confetti. Bob Marlin, may we have this dance. And the Paladins are dancing for the first time in four 
Let the madness begin. And the madness is beginning. The tournament challenge is open. Be sure you are downloading the ESPN tournament challenge app to fill out your men's and women's brackets for this year's NCAA tournament. Hurry. The men's tournament challenge closes Thursday at noon Eastern. The women's tournament challenge closes Friday morning at 1130 a.m. Eastern. Download your app right now or visit ESPN.com slash brackets. It's very easy. Joe and I already did ours. It is time for the boost mobile tournament preview. So let's get into this tournament. Let's start with the number ones here, Joe, because Alabama is a story in this tournament, not just because they've been playing such good basketball this season, but obviously because of Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller, though, not the only standout on this Alabama team. Noah Clowney is that as well for Alabama. Is Alabama, do you think, with the Brandon Miller storyline, is Alabama the focus going to be more on the actual basketball here as we go through the tournament? Early, yes. Late, no. That's how this is going to break down. They are the number one overall seed in the tournament, and for good reason. They just ran through the SEC tournament, winning every single game by double digits. They are elite in every sense of the word. They are the best team in the field. Houston's actually the favorite at around five or six to one, and Bama's second at seven to one. But given the draw in the South region and the fact that I think that's going to be one of the chalkier regions, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one, two, Alabama versus Arizona in the Elite Eight. I think they're in a fantastic situation, absolutely fantastic, to go out and win this thing. The question, to your point, is how are they going to handle it as we get later in the tournament? Because early on, it's a lot of local media and some national media that will be following the story. But when we get deep, it's going to be global media. If you're in the Final Four, you're going to have representation over here from the BBC and networks all around the world. And they're not going to care about how you're performing on the court. They are going to care about how you have been linked to this murder and you get to continue to play because that's what's going to sell. That's the story. These kids, when they were dealing with this originally, they struggled. They didn't go out and get beat a lot, but they were trailing at the half and I believe four consecutive games right after this became a major story. So how those kids handle that situation with all that increased scrutiny is going to be very interesting to their title chances. And this isn't to downplay the murder that happened and everything that's surrounding the situation that has been discussed on this show ad nauseum. It has been discussed on this network ad nauseum as it should be and has and has been. We just right now are equating it to the tournament because that's starting in the next couple days. That's it. We're not trying to make light of the situation. We're not trying to pay it the respect it deserves. We are talking about this in the context of the March Madness tournament right now. That's the focus. You mentioned Houston there as well as being the favorite. Jarris Walker, a future uh, NBA draft pick. Uh, it's always nice to have one of those on your team if you're going to try to win a championship. That six foot eight power forward has been even better. Some of his best performances have actually come away from home there for Walker. That seems to speak well for Houston and their ability to face uh, what they're going to have to face in this tournament. They're an intriguing watch because Houston plays at a very slow tempo. They play incredible defense. They have a very, very good knack 
for forcing the opposition to play their style of basketball. It can look ugly, it can get ugly, but they do it in such a beautiful manner, you can't help but appreciate how they go out and do things. Marcus Sasser is going to be the lead story. He's an All-American, he's their highest scorer, but he is battling a groin injury that knocked him out for the final game in the conference championship, a game they lost to Memphis where they were routed. By the way, do not sleep on Memphis. Don't be surprised if they find a way to knock Purdue off in the second round. More on that later. That's going to be the issue. If Sasser's groin injury is nagging, I don't think they'll be able to get it done. If it isn't nagging, they have as high upside as anybody. Personally, for me, coming out of that region, I like Texas. I think they have been fantastic. They're one of only four teams, according to Ken Palm, to rank in the top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. It's Texas, it's Alabama, it's Connecticut, and I'm blanking on the fourth, but it's another elite team. And those teams, you want to pay attention to some of those numbers. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. So you just gave us a little nugget there. Memphis could knock off Purdue. Any other crazy upsets that you see coming here early in the tournament? The East and the West are the regions where you should get loose with your picks if you're in bigger brackets. I do not see Kansas winning the West. I do not see Purdue winning the East. Kentucky 9-1 to is intriguing to me. If you want an upset pick, I'll get this one out there. Oral Roberts over Duke. Do not be surprised if they give him a big fight. Take the six and a half points. Duke is coming in riding high off an ACC tournament win. They, they The ACC is down this year. Duke is overvalued. Everyone's playing them to go to the Final Four. Do not be surprised if Oral Roberts, who's won 17 straight, can shoot the three and has a ton of experience, gives them all they can handle. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast.